Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we're going to look at the readings for the observance of Reformation Day. And as you know and remember, we celebrate Reformation because it is the reforming of the church. It is bringing correction and understanding to the biblical understanding of what the church should believe, what the church should practice, and it's really getting out of the way so that God will work. And and it's not that the church or people will be able to stop God from working or God's up there and just waiting, oh, I hope they say the right words or I hope they stop doing this so I can work. This is the understanding that we have the promise of Christ at the center of everything we do. And often we put man-made things, obstacles or Uh, things that we think are important and say that this is what God wants. This is how God wants us to act, believe, and so on and so forth. And we're actually not believing in God. We're believing in our own ceremonies, our own rituals, our own stuff instead of what God has delivered through Scripture. And we have the reformer, Martin Luther, who reads the Scriptures and has a lot of issues with putting the works of the church or the way the church is acting, preaching, teaching in comparison with Scripture. He doesn't see how they're matching up. How is it that the church is saying, do these things, but forgetting to preach Christ or his forgiveness— or deliver, or give it. And so he brings this to the attention of the Pope and the Cardinals and anybody who will listen so that they will better understand what Scripture promises to give to them so that they will know the fullness of all that Christ offers. Forgiveness, life everlasting, the bodily resurrection. Because when we obscure Christ— We're going to obscure his gifts. We're going to obscure his promises. And we are going to start losing those gifts. We're going to start believing in things contrary to what Scripture delivers and bestows. And so that is what Luther brought about. And our readings that we're going to discuss today really help us to understand this. So, we have two options for the gospel lesson, and I thought it would kind of be neat to talk about both of them and what they give and deliver for us today. So, the first one is from St. John, the eighth chapter, and it reads, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? 
Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I love this text for lots of reasons. First of all, we get the the truth will set you free statement. But we got to understand what this truth is. We live in a postmodern world. And the postmodern philosophy of our culture, of our world, really simply boils down to Truth is relative. You live your truth, I'll live my truth, and somewhere in the middle, we'll just kind of get along. And this is not what Jesus is saying. He is saying that the truth, and you got the definite article there, so there's real truth, and it is there for you. This is objective truth, which means no matter what I say, no matter what you say, no matter what the world says, it still remains true. And that is that Jesus has come into your time, your space, your flesh, has lived the perfect life for you to break you out of the bonds of sin, out of the bonds of death, out of the bonds of hell. And you are set free. You are now free to love. You are now free to sacrifice in service to the neighbor. You are now free to do good works. You are now free to participate in Christ. You are free in the gospel. And this love, of course, is that sacrificial love, the reflection of what Christ has given to you. This is for service. It's never for self-indulgence. It's never for the feel-good. It's never for the immediate self-gratification or immediate gratification. It is always for the other, just as Christ modeled for us. And this is what you have been set free in the gospel, in your baptism to do and to live out. And we see how these Jews who have believed in Christ respond. Who are you to set us free? We are the offspring of Abraham. We are the chosen people. We've never been enslaved to anyone. And with this, it is the idea that they are not enslaved. They don't have anybody over them. They are the chosen people of God. God will rescue them. God will keep them. God will sustain them. They hold a special place. But Jesus is pointing out to them that they have walked away from this birthright, this wonderful, special, chosen place, and they've replaced it. It is by the fact of them being born in the lineage of Abraham, they think they deserve the promises of Christ, the promises of God. They are looking somewhere else for the work of God to take place. They have put their faith in who they are born from, and that is the flesh. They think just by the fact that they've been born by and from the house of Abraham, they're good. They are saved. They have God's favor. And Jesus clearly points us out that they are in bondage to sin. They are trusting in things that are not Jesus, that are not God. And they're putting obstacles to their faith. They are saying, I will believe in my 
birth. I will believe in my family. And Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit will come later, and they'll just bless us. We are so good that God will just love us for who and what we are because of that. And that is not true. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. Nowhere in Scripture does it promise just because you're born that you will be blessed by God. You have the promise that Jesus dies for your sins and creates, gives, and offers this faith, this saving faith, that you will know that Jesus has done all that is needed for your salvation, for your bodily resurrection, for your forever. But notice, all of that is outside of you. You are trusting it has been done for you, that God has given that to you, and that you get to, in faith, believe that it is yours. Not because of who and what you are, but because of who and what you have been made to be in your baptism, in Christ, in faith, by God's work. And it is there that we see the promises of Christ, the freedom of the life here and now and to come. So Jesus pulls no punches with the promise that he will set you free because of his love, his work, and his act in and upon you. And we need to be very careful about this because when it comes to worship, when it comes to life, we are either living in God, trusting that his promises are actually ours, or we have built idols and we're going to trust those idols. Those idols could be the love of family, the love of our works, the love of our actions, the love of our piety our religious actions and acts, and thinking that those are good enough. And we're to trust in those outside of Christ, outside of what God has delivered. And this will be reflected in our worship. This will be reflected in the way we understand who and what we are in relation to God. And that is Jesus' latter statement. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is the wonderful gift of baptism, that Christ resides in you, that because he lives, you too will live. John 14 says that where he will be, so shall you. And this is because he has made his home in and with you. He puts his righteousness upon you. He puts his life upon you and lives in and through you that the good works already prepared are completed because of him. And we get to delight. We get to live in these promises, in these works that Christ has done. That is what this freedom is. We, again, now are free to serve, live, and love neighbor and God. And this is also a great segue into the other option for the gospel, and that's from St. Matthew, the 11th chapter, and that simply reads, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John— 
and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, who is to come. Who He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall but to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang the dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. And here we see that you have the law, the prophets, all prophesying about the coming Messiah. And John the Baptist, the last prophet before Jesus, comes in camel's hair and a leather belt eating honey and locust. And they call and say that he has a demon. He is not one of us. And this is the Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious elite. And as Jesus says, he has a demon. But Jesus comes, and what does he do? He eats and he drinks. And not that he's such a, a man, prophet, religious guy that he just feasts and he's a glutton, or he drinks so much that he's a drunkard. No, he participates in the life of those who he comes to live with. He eats with them. How many times do we hear that he goes to the tax collector's house to eat? And of course, this is absurd to the Pharisees. Why would you attach yourself to such a person like a tax collector, a prostitute, a sinner, someone who has excluded themselves from the temple, from the synagogue, because of their profession, because of their sinful acts. But these are the people who repented. These are the people who see who Jesus is. They are the ones who are seeking to be set free from what their sin has caused. Now, the Pharisees, they see no reason to be set free. Their self-righteousness will be good enough to get them out of whatever predicament they think they're in. Well, in fact, they don't think they're in any predicament. They don't need what Jesus is offering. And that is what our sinful flesh says. You're good enough. It's okay. But we see that the kingdom of God has suffered violence. We hear false words. We have the false promises that we are good enough, that if we just try hard enough, if we just concentrate hard enough, if we just do this, and I always love that, if you just do, just pray, just say, just act, like just is enough. Dear people, dear listener, we're not good enough before God. And that's exactly why he comes to us. That is exactly why he promises to deliver us from sin, death, and hell through his work, his life, his death, his resurrection, because we cannot do it. And the world does exactly what St. Matthew says it does. It is violence against the kingdom of God. The world will always find fault 
with the church, with Scripture, and with God. Why would God let bad things happen to good people? I ask, find me a good person. For all have fallen short of the glory of God, and not one, no, no one, has come after God. We are born sinful and unclean. We are born enemies of God. Who are we to say that we are good? Unfortunately, the truth is, we deserve the corruption, the punishment, and the consequences of this fallen world, and so much more. In fact, it's what we confess in our confession every Sunday, that we deserve temporal and eternal punishment for our sins. But praise be to God. For Jesus' sake, we are forgiven. We are made new. We are alive here and now and forevermore with him. This is what we shall hold on to, and that is what our faith clings to, the promises that have been given to us. And as we celebrate Reformation Day, let us look at ourselves and reform ourselves. How do we live in this freedom? Do we take advantage of it and do the whole, we live the way we want to and ask for forgiveness later? Or will we live out our forgiveness, trusting that God promises to keep us, sustain us, hold us, and prepare a place for us in the forevermore in His glory? Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.